From APM, American Public Media, and Minnesota Public Radio, this is WITS. I'm John Moe. WITS is a big, crazy stage show that we do in front of a thousand screaming Minnesotans at the Fitzgerald Theater here in St. Paul. It has comedy, music, interviews, surprises. Our most recent stage show had Maria Bamford and Brandy Carlisle. That's the episode previous to this one on the podcast list. You really should listen to that show. It was magic. WITS is also a podcast featuring highlights of the stage show, plus conversations and music and fun with former and future guests and people who are just friends of the show. Larissa Anderson is our producer. Larissa, what's on the rundown today? Our good friend, Rhett Miller. Rhett Miller is on the show. He's the lead singer of the old 97s. He was on Wits back in March of 2012. And he was in town um, earlier this year. I picked him up in my dumpy car and hauled him in the studio. <laughs> and you talked it's to nice them. It's nice when you get to drive around town and pick up Rhett Miller in the process. It's great. And he also gave me advice about how to use my dishwasher. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think about almost every time I load my dishes. Rock stars are so versatile. Yeah. Uh, we'll talk to Rhett. Yeah, we're going to talk to Rhett, and then we also are going to get a chance to hear him compete in the Wits Game Show against Tim Meadows. Ah, Tim Meadows, the ladies' man, the SNL veteran, who yes. was also on that show. Yes, but way back in March 2012. And before that happens, we're going to listen to an appearance um, from a show from this fall from Jan the Custodian. Right. Now, as I said earlier, we do our stage shows at the Fitzgerald Theater in downtown St. Paul. It's a beautiful theater. It's an old vaudeville theater. In fact, it's over 100 years old. And older buildings require certain care. And sometimes uh, crises come up. And that's when our custodian, Jan sometimes appears, as she did at our recent show with Julia Sweeney and Martha Wainwright. Just ahead on Wits, we have an interesting look inside the automotive. Hey, John. John, it's me, Jan. Sorry. Jan? Sorry, it's Jan. I had the clock oh. in late today, but just so you know, I am here, and everything is secure backstage, John. Oh, okay. Uh, thanks, Jan. That's it's everything Jan's is... the theater custodian. Every, uh, Jan, I'll talk to you after the show, okay? Yeah, I, oh, no, John, I'm really sorry, John. I don't want to interrupt you and your art friends out here. So... But uh, yeah, okay? I'm yeah, I'm sorry, John. I had to take a personal half day today, and I just wanted you to know it's not going to happen again, John. The, it's fine. It, you, no, I have to John, get... it's not going to happen again because that was the last real molar I had left in my mouth. Okay. And it was shooting out some organic matters, just shooting it out. I think, no, John, it wasn't a liquid, it wasn't a solid. They got it stopped up, though. It's good, it's good for, now, that, for that, now. That's fine. We could talk yeah. about it after oh, the show. John, as a side note here, um, hey, uh, you seen any five-gallon buckets out here? Five-gallon buckets? No, yeah, on I, the stage, I'm, no. I am missing about 20 to 30 of those five-gallon buckets and I thought maybe you and your these horn players, maybe you borrowed them for your play going on, or um, I don't know. It, 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 none of them play the horn, and no, it's not really a play. No, John, because I'm going to need those buckets. I'm going to need those. I'm going to need a tarp. And... I'm going to need some turkey basters. Jan, if, Jan is if, there... Is, Jan, gonna, is there a problem backstage? Because we could call the building supervisor... No, John, no. There is not a problem, and Sue is on smoke break for the rest of the day. 
the rest of the day. Yeah, John, she saves them up like, uh, you know, phone minutes, and they're rolling over. Wow. Till tomorrow, or maybe the next day, I don't know. Sue's good with time like that. But don't worry, John, there's, don't worry, there is no problem backstage here, so we're good. Okay, if if you say so. Yeah, but you... You don't got any, like, none of you folks got anything electric-wise plugged in back there, do you? Yeah, they do. Yeah. Cell phone chargers and laptops. Oh, sure. Okay. Okay. I didn't know you were tapped into the electric system. Okay. Uh, (laughs) I'm going to have to call Sue. I'm going to have to go out there. But don't, just don't come back here, guys. Unless you got... Three to four quality inches of rubber on the bottoms of your shoes. And it's got to be quality rubber, John. I will put a stanchion here oh, if it, I have to. Jan, it, we're going to have to at some yeah. point leave the stage. Oh, hey, John. Um, just before I forget, I thought you were, um, yeah. you were talking to a Sweeney somebody out here. Oh, I swear. She's yeah, still... Julia Sweeney. She's sitting right here. This is I Julia Sweeney. Because I saw this Sweeney movie, and they were singing, and there was a barber, and Edward Scissor's hands was there, yeah. and you, the finger, the scissors weren't taped on this time. No, no, that, that was, that, that was Sweeney Todd. Oh, it's a musical. Okay, okay, Sweeney Todd, oh, you related to that guy then, huh? <laughs> no. You're, oh, I'm sorry. I get that all the time, you know. There's like 10,000 Jans in the world, and I am not related to one of them, but people keep asking me, you know. Like, what do we got a sign on our head that says, come and talk to us and say something? God. Okay, Jen, well, I'm going to go. Okay. I got to... I get, no, I gotta get the petty cash. I'm gonna pick up some squeegees, some emergency rain ponchos, and I just, uh-huh. I got like a fine mist coming down from the ceiling. It's a real wet, fine mist. Okay. And I. So, all right, that, that was Jan the custodian, everybody. Jan. She works here as a custodian. Oh, Jan, what are we going to do? More from Jan a little bit later in the show. From time to time, we're lucky enough to be visited by veterans, the emeritus guests of WITS, and such is the case now. We're with Rhett Miller uh, of the old 97s and of his own solo career, who joined us in the spring of 2012, in March of 2012. Hello, Rhett. Hi, John. Nice to see you. Welcome back to St. Paul. You know, it's nice to be a veteran, too, because we have a club that we go to with right. smoking jackets. The smoking jackets, the overstuffed chairs, yeah. and, uh, you know, the exclusive membership and the, the yeah. tasers for people who, <laughs> who try to cross in. Um, when you were here last, you were uh, getting ready to uh, release The Dreamer, your new solo album. And uh, we're going to hear a song from that in a moment, but it's it's been kind of agitating me. Why do your solo albums have such similar names? It's The Believer, and then it's The Dreamer, it's The Instigator, it's The... You know, I made one that was eponymously titled, the Rhett, yeah. Rhett Miller, Rhett Miller. Mm-hmm. And if I could go back in time, like if I had a time machine, swear yes. to God, I would not go back and stop any war. You wouldn't or kill Hitler. I would go back and change the title of that to The Rhett Miller. Wouldn't that be so much better? <laughs> it's right. The Yeah. The instigator, the believer, the Rhett Miller. The Rhett the Miller. Dreamer. Just one word, a compound word. 
Is is there a logic behind this? Is it a, are you uh, playing characters? Nobody has ever accused me of being a marketing genius, but I think <laughs> the decision is in that vein somehow. Yeah, I, I try and make it a sort of a brand, if you will. Ah, okay. You know, like Chicago. Yeah. Constantly, you know, just naming the the albums sequential. Van Halen things. one, Van Halen two, right. Van Halen. Th- well, I'm I'm the product of such naming. My dad is Stuart Ransom Miller, and I'm Stuart Ransom Miller the second. Okay, all right. Uh, well, let's hear a track off of uh, <laughs> off of the Dreamer. This is uh, Sleepwalking, right? All right. She was a genius. She'd won awards and stuff. I was intimidated. She had a prominent nose, she took off all her clothes. I was infatuated. The love we'd share would go nowhere, but it would be nonetheless. The time we spent, I don't know where it went. We took the monorail, we had a pint of ale, I got a little buzz on. Her movie made me cry, I could not tell her why, might be the pills I was on. I longed to be the man that she wanted to be with. The time we spent, I don't know where it went. Don't mind me, I'm just sleepwalking, sleepwalking, don't mind me. you broke it off I had a lousy cough I had no strength to argue I knew I'd rue the day I let you slip away my genius where are you the love we had was small and sad like everything in my life the time we spent I don't know where it went Don't mind me, I'm just sleepwalking, sleepwalking. Don't mind me, I'm just sleepwalking, sleepwalking. Don't mind me, I'm just sleepwalking, sleepwalking. Don't mind me. Rhett Miller with Sleepwalking off of The Dreamer. What's that song about? <laughs> um, it's a fantasy song. I wrote it uh, in Seattle. I was I ah, thus the monorail <laughs> the mon- and the pint of ale. Because where else do you find a monorail? <laughs> well, you know, it's Las Vegas isn't as romantic, I yeah. suppose. They do have a monorail, <laughs> but it would be a very different song. How dare you, sir? Las, Las Vegas. <laughs> there are more weddings in that city. Yes, uh, <laughs> true. It's a different. But I, I, so you wrote it in Seattle. Sorry, yeah, we got derailed as yes. it were. Uh. Um, <laughs> sorry, your your humor is usually way above that. <laughs> 
Uh, I was in Seattle. I had an hour to kill. I picked up The Stranger, which is their local weekly, which for some reason I always think is called The Strangler. The Strangler. I just always misread it. <laughs> that would be a horrible name for I used life. to live in Seattle. That's not far off. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. So I said, I'm going to open up. I really felt like I wanted to write a song, but I didn't have any, you know, driving feeling that I needed to work out. So I said, I'm going to open up The Stranger to whatever uh, page and, and find a photo on that page and write a song about that person or thing. And I I opened it up and there was uh, Lynn Shelton, this indie film director. Sure, um, and she had a you know a funny little half smile and this really rakish, beat up cowboy hat, and underneath it said uh, director Lynn Shelton, uh, winner of the Stranger Genius Award. And I was like, that she's pr-. and I had seen the movie Hump Day, so I put mm-hmm. it on and I really thought it was a beautiful movie. And so I wrote a song about what if in an alternate universe I had dated her and inevitably screwed it up. And <laughs> I love that your fantasy involves <laughs> it going horribly wrong. Exactly. <laughs> Even in a daydream, the romance collapses. Yeah. So you're on tour now with the old 97s uh, with the album Too Far to Care. First of all, when is the tour for Fight Songs and when is the tour for Wreck Your Life coming around? Oh, man. What if that was it? <laughs> if you just did album after album? And then when we ran out of albums, we went back and did like a second lap. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> it's the eternal victory lap. You know, it, 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 it could happen. It has been done. It, it is has. being done right now by certain bands <laughs> whom I won't mention. Right. Well, why this album in particular? Uh, this was the record we made when we first got a bunch of money to make a record we had and thank god it wasn't our first record because um we made our first record in about four days uh, Mm -hmm. and our second record we made in about a week and so when we finally got the chance to make this record we had you know a bunch of hours under our belts and and we'd kind of seen the mistakes you can make and we'd seen more importantly the possibilities you know and so we went out and bought just thousands of dollars of ampeg tape and you know and we got like uh Oh uh, no, Ampex tape. See, I'm such. A, I've never been a, a tech <laughs> guy, but but it was beautiful. These just these stacks of something that is now non-existent. Right. Uh, people don't really use it anymore, and uh, we just had months to make a record finally, and we had just spent the summer being wined and dined by the record labels, and um, we had swollen heads and mm-hmm. and a really naive approach to, you know, the the consequences of this thing we were doing. We we assumed alternately that it would um you know be the greatest mo- best received record of all time yeah naturally and, you're and, you're young moneyed and arrogant why yeah. wouldn't it be but but also at the same time we thought well, nobody's going to care i mean come on really but but i think we had this idea that we'd finally gotten the opportunity to make a career and it and it was it was real to all of us that we would never have to go back to in my case the uh, plumber's assistant job wow or the maitre d at the italian restaurant job it's like the Blues Brothers. You oh know, you're getting the band back together. <laughs> um, so, so this, uh, so this was an important historical point in your life that that now you can can revisit further down the road. Oh yeah, and I guess the the occasion uh, for revisiting it is just that it's become the sort of record that our fans mostly go back and point to and say, "This is where you got it right." If you ever got it right. This is where it happened, and and the and the band feels, I think less about it than the other guys maybe, but it's always come up as, well, this next record needs to sound like Too Far because that record was pretty great. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, what have you rediscovered about it? Well, I didn't realize to to what extent it was really personal, you know, with regard to the the circumstances that are now 
um, so anachronistic. There's no longer that thing of a young band that plays in bars, basically getting scooped up by major labels and given a bunch of money. And that that business model has failed, and probably rightly so. When I think about all the dinners I went to, you know, it wasn't just Electra either. It was a dozen labels, and just the money they dumped into the the hole that was my band. The CD sales aren't <laughs> going to pay for those dinners anymore. No, sir. And uh, but it was a, it was a funny time to go through because you. You know, for me, I just I felt like I felt it all changing, and I, I, uh, I looked at it with a certain ambivalence. You know, like this is great, but this is terrifying, and probably should be terrifying, and maybe I should get a regular job. But um, it was a weird time, and I think that the songs really chronicle that. I look at Broadway, which is maybe the third song on the record. You know, and it's uh, in a hotel room just off Times Square. They made a monster. You know, he was unaware of what went down, and I sing that every night. And I'm thinking like. I had no idea that, you know, 15 years later, I would still be singing this song and I would have gotten to make a career out of it. But, you know, perhaps at what cost? You know, normalcy was certainly lost to me. One bit that I just loved uh, from the song Streets of Where I'm From, I recall when I was 23 wondering how anyone could fall in love with me. But now I'm old. Hell, I'm well past 25. I had turned 25 like a month before I wrote that song. <laughs> My little joke to myself. <laughs> I do that with a lot of songs where I just put little jokes in so that when I'm singing them, I'll, I'll get my own little... You just have your own yeah. little Easter egg in there yeah. for you. That must be kind of uh, fun to sing now that you're slightly 42. older than 29. I'm not ashamed. I'm 42. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm having my 17th anniversary of my 25th birthday. <laughs> Is that strange to, to sing something? I mean, it's like, you know... Hope I die before I get old, kind of thing. And I really, back then when I wrote that, I believed that there was a 30 year old expiration date on any rock and roller. Like that was it. After they turned 30 years old? That was it. After yep. they turned 30. They're no longer relevant. Yeah. And uh, thank God that's not true. <laughs> and I'm, I'm also, I Turns feel, out they don't card. <laughs> I feel lucky that I picked uh, a sort of a style of music that ages well. You know, I'm, I'm at a point now where my heroes and the people that I emulate are Christofferson and Willie. And, yeah. you know, I'd love to be able to be one of those old dudes that, you know, meets a guy like me and says, you're doing the right thing, kid. Just keep oh, it up. You that'd know? be great. I got a time bomb in my mind, mom. I hear it ticking, but I don't know why. Rhett Miller of the old 97s. Rhett was on our show in March of this year. That show was memorable for many things. The swiveling of Rhett's hips while he played, which made people swoon. Folks still talk about that swiveling around here. And also for the game show that he played with our other guest, sketch comedy veteran Tim Meadows. I think we can all agree that the important thing about comedy, music, and any art really is that it's a competition. There are winners and losers. There are points and prizes and quantifications and judgments. With that in mind, we will now play a game called Funnier or Poignanter. <laughs> Tim Meadows is a professional in making things funny. Rhett Miller, you write songs that make life's experiences more poignant. So in this game, I will give Tim and Rhett situations, and they need to make them funnier or poignanter, respectively. <laughs> After each round, I will declare the winner of the round. For the first round, Tim, you will go first. Okay. Tim, a man goes to the hardware store for some nails, but the store has already closed. <laughs> knock, knock. <clears throat> no, this is not a knock-knock joke, people. <laughs> I'm sorry. What I meant was boom, 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 boom. Boom, 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 boom. 
Somebody open it up, please. Hurricane Katrina just happened, and all I need is four more nails to complete my home. End of scene. Wow. That's some bold comedy. Thank you. <laughs> Red Miller, over to you for the poignanter. Well, he already went poignant. Okay, here we go. <laughs> well, I used to be a man. Now I'm a man who can't get no nails. I'm a failure of a man. I'm a man who fails. Thank you. That was good. Point to Rhett Miller on that one. Point to Rhett Miller. <laughs> Rhett, you'll start this next one. Three dogs are sitting on a porch. One gets up and walks away. One of you dogs farted. <laughs> I was going to do that. Now I guess I have to do poignant. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he, his assignment was poignant, so your challenge is still funny. Uh. <laughs> do we need to review the rules? <laughs> I can't top that one, though. That was really good. <laughs> that was pretty good. Um... All right, three dogs on the porch. One gets up and walks away. All right. And here's the scene. Yeah, so uh, it's just two dogs talking. Uh, yeah, where's he going? Oh, uh, he just got a job posing for a painting of dogs playing poker. <laughs> <laughs> three dogs, one walks away. <laughs> where's he going? Oh, he's going. I'm explaining it over again. Yeah. Well, that always makes it funnier if you explain it. Yeah. Point to Meadows. Yeah! Tim, you start this next one. Mm. A couple is on a romantic date. They're on a rowboat in the middle of a lake. What does the fish say to them when it jumps out of the water and lands in the boat? And I'm not going to do that one. Second choice. <laughs> okay, here it is. The, the fish jumps out of the boat in, and lands in the lady's lap. And she, the fish says, I'm a magical fish. You can have three wishes, but you have to rub my belly. And then the... The, <laughs> the man takes out a knife and guts the fish's belly. And the fish said, I said, rub, not gut. Oh. I'm trying here, people. I didn't, I didn't hear these premises before the show. <laughs> We're learning a lot about funniness and poignancy, actually. <laughs> Rhett Miller, over to you. How beautiful is this moment when I'm floating above the water Looking at this couple who's in love How long will it last? How long will it last? I, you know, it, it was beautiful, but uh, I can't see why the fish would be making these observations instead of speaking to the couple, so Meadows gets the point. <laughs> Oh my goodness, it's deep. Come on now, okay. 
I'm suddenly the Simon Cowell of invented public radio <laughs> game shows. All right. All right, Red, you start this one. David Bowie is making himself some breakfast and hits his head on a cupboard. Now, once again, that was not poignant. You got to learn the rules of the game. If I had a guitar, I could be up here doing point. Give me a guitar. Let me do poignant. All right. David Bowie's dead. David's dead. Yeah, he's dead. Thank you. All right. Wow. Wow. Maybe we, uh, maybe I, I lean on the audience for this one. First, Miller. Meadows. Oh, wow. Okay. I concede that one, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> Who knew? You're like a Renaissance man. Yeah. <laughs> well, I got to say, by, by a score of three to one uh, in the game of Funnier Pointer, congratulations. Tim Meadows is our champion. Woo! Wow. Really, I don't deserve it. <laughs> well, no, you don't. <laughs> but yet, here we are. All right. Tim Meadows and Rhett Miller at Wits. Now, you remember Jan the custodian? All the water, the need for buckets, the sense of impending doom? We all want resolution on that crisis, I think. Let's go back to later on in that same Wits stage show. Jan interrupts me again. Hi, Jan. Uh, Jan. What? Jan. Uh, okay, uh, Jan, Jan is back. Hi, Jan. 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 What? Jan, hi. I got an update from below sea level back there. Okay. Turns out that uh, water I'm sapping up is just like a like a spring or like a artesian well. It's like a phenomena of the theater. It's just a natural pond. That's what Sue says anyway. Okay, so. I I don't think that can possibly be true. There's not a natural pond at no, the Fitzgerald Theater. No, Jan, theater. it's true. It's true because it is just a natural low spot in the building, John, and it is up to my hips. Okay? And I says to Sue, I says, that's got to be 20 foot across there. And Sue says, yeah, and it's right in front of the green room. And I was like, yeah, I know, Sue. So I, I, I mean, I got in there and I tried, but now we got some sort of current. I tried a raft to get across. It's some sort of, a current keeps shoving me back out here on the stage. Okay, There's well, Eurasian milfoil sprouting up on the edges. All right, I, well, I, I, know. Jan, I, I can bring this up to management again after the show, if that'll make the problem go away. I, you guys, I'm really sorry that, about this and that this oh, keeps happening. Jan, no, don't apologize to us, God. 
Yeah, because I didn't even tell you the best part, John, is because uh, I went out and on the company's tab, I got some of those aqua socks, you know? <laughs> like the good ones <laughs> with the stripes and the suction cups and all that. And you, so nobody's going to slip or get electrocuted back there. And uh, I think what we're going to do, we're just going to make a human chain. Maybe one of these big guys can go first. <laughs> and... Just to get across just, the pond. Yeah, we need to cross it, John. That's uh, in front of the green that's room. That's the plan so far. But okay. uh, either that or Sue said you can go out the front like all the real people with real jobs. <laughs> so. Well, I, I, I didn't know things had gotten that bad. Well, yeah. Well, I know you like to talk, John, but uh, I got to get back here. I got to check right. on some stuff. I got to... Uh, Do you need help with your plunger there, Jan? Uh, no, John, thanks. Uh, I... No, I lit some of those floating candles to cover up the stench, and so I gotta just check on them. It's nice to be pretty. Oh my God, I didn't know water could burn. Jeez. Oh God. Maybe okay. I should taste it. All right, there goes Jan. Thanks, Jan. That was Jan, the custodian. Wits is produced by Larissa Anderson. Our show today featured Rhett Miller and Tim Meadows. Mary Mack is a pretty great stand-up comedian. She helped uh, connect us with Jan the Custodian. You can follow Mary on Twitter at Mary Mack Comedy. Our next stage show is coming up on December 14th. It's the finale of our fall season. It features Henry Rollins and Lissy. You can find us on Twitter at Wits. Very, very easy to remember. Or on Facebook at facebook.com slash Wits Radio. Hey, go to iTunes if you can and review our show. Put something in the comments. Give us however many stars you think that we deserve. Give us all the stars. Make up new stars and give us those stars as well. I'm John Moe. Bye now. You should have been gone.